Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. So glad that you're joining us today. And I want to let you know of a marriage conference that is coming to Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I want to personally invite you. So go ahead and mark your calendars. If you are interested in attending a weekend conference, this is a Friday night into a Saturday, March 25 and 26 of the year 2022. March 25 and 26. And uh, if you will give me a call or if you go to our website, you'll be able to get information on that. So you can give me a call at 757-421-7500. Just let them know that you're interested in the marriage conference and we'll get right back with you. Or you can look on our website and there'll be information on there uh, about this upcoming weekend. And I am so happy to to offer this to you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make an offer to those of you who are on the broadcast, listening to the broadcast. If you'd like to come to this conference, I will pay the cost of your conference, okay? It's a Friday night, and then you come back Saturday morning, uh, March 25 and 26. And so uh, give us a call. We'll get you registered. We need to get a few things from you to prepare for this, make sure we have enough materials for you. But we would love to see you for this weekend marriage conference. Well, speaking about marriage, I thought today would be a great day to talk about marriage God's way. But before we get too far into the subject of marriage, I want to talk to you about work. And you say, well, these things sound like they'd be kind of opposed to one another. But I think work and marriage can actually complement one another. The reason I think that is because our work is part of our ministry that God has for us. Our spouse is also part of the ministry that God has for us. You see, our work may change through the years, but our spouse will not. But understanding the fact that God has a plan for us and a purpose for us in work can go over into the issue of our family. But understand that God has a plan for us, and God always has this plan that is going to last past your marriage. So as we think about work and as we think about this calling of God upon our lives, work is a part of the ministry that God has for us, but work is also a calling from God. And I believe your spouse is also a calling from God. You know, in the Old Testament, ministry was largely the responsibility of a few. You know, the priest, and and in the New Testament, we see a transition that takes place where Christians are now priests. And so the ministry and the work of the saints has changed through the years, and God has an opportunity for us to be involved in His work. So if we are fulfilling His mission on our work, that also ought to complement our family. You know, God doesn't make a distinction between secular and spiritual. But He only makes a distinction between what is fleshly and what is of the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. In the Old Testament, these distinctions had been really eliminated because of what Christ has done on our behalf. That includes the distinctions between what is clean and what is unclean, the distinction between clergy and laity, uh, the distinction between holy and unholy, circumcision and uncircumcision. Uh, So a lot of things have transitioned for us within the New Testament. Now, the reason I do all this is because I want you to understand a fundamental principle and how often that we speak of being called into full-time ministry, but seldom do we ever refer to secular work as a calling. But it is every much a calling. Now, let's look at what Paul has to say about this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 17, and then we'll drop down to verse 24. And this is so important because whether you're a plumber or an electrician Uh, or whether you're a teacher or an attorney or a doctor, uh, these professions are are calling from God. Listen, if God has called you uh, to be in the the restaurant business, that's a high calling. 
If God has called you to be in the service industry, that's a high calling. There's no high and low calling. There's just callings from God. This is how Paul put it, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, okay, so God has assigned each one of us as God has called each person, so let him live. And then Paul says, I give this sort of direction in all of the churches. And so wherever Paul went, he says, wherever God has assigned you, or we could say whatever God has called you to do, he has called each person to that, let him live, let him do it. And then verse 24 says, in whatever situation you find yourself called, brothers and sisters, let him remain in it with God. So your vocation is your calling. So I want you to think about that. So many times we look at, well, the pastor's called, and this, yes, the pastor must be called. I'm not diminishing the call of the pastor. I am elevating the call of those who feel like their vocation is, is secondary because they're not in full-time ministry. When you think about the Corinthian believers, they were gathering together, and they were in circumstances that were different, and uh, they wanted to make a difference, and then they find that they had this conflict because they had some people in the congregation who were circumcised and some that were not circumcised. Uh, They had some that were slaves. They had some that were free. Uh, And so Paul says, listen, wherever you find yourself, that's your calling. Uh, Don't diminish that, because if you try to get out of something that God has called you to do, it's going to be misery. That's why when we think about marriages, for example, second marriages have a higher divorce rate than first marriages. Now, this is tough when you think about it, right? And um, because oftentimes we, we step out of God's will for God's secondary will. And I'm not saying that God can't bless that second marriage. He will. I'm not diminishing the fact that, okay, maybe there was unfaithfulness and there was a, a reason for all that happening. Uh, but when we look at God's primary will, God's primary will is what you're called to live. So if you're married right now, God's primary will for you right now is to stay with that person that you're married to. Now, if circumstances happen that are beyond your control and you find yourself in a different situation, then you're entering into God's secondary will. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds about this, but I want to make the correlation that when we are living in the center of God's will vocationally, it benefits our marriages as well because God enables two to become one. Now, when we think about our calling, our calling is not set in cement. Uh, That means it may change. We should all be familiar with the words of what Paul says. He talks about the gifts and the callings of God as being irrevocable, but doesn't mean they don't change. It means God's got a calling upon you, and they may, with time, change. And uh, I have many friends uh, who are pastor friends, for example, who uh, had a calling to go into the military, for example. Very good friend of mine spent 20 years serving in the Navy, and then he became a pastor of a church. Uh, So he was actually fulfilling his calling because his calling was not in cement. Uh, He wasn't going to be with the United States Navy till death do us part. He realized that was a calling for that season, and then he took on a second calling. And so when we look at this, I think it's so important to be understanding or to be cognizant of where is God leading in my life? You see, full-time ministry is not necessarily more effective ministry. You know, for the longest time, um, I served my church without compensation. For the first seven years of our church, I served, and I don't say this to pat myself on the back, certainly. I say this to say because 
I felt like at that time, I would not have been more effective even if I was full-time because our church was at that infancy stage where I felt it was better for me at that time to have a, a, a job, a secular job. And the reason that, that I felt that was so important is because I was in a field where I, I had contacts with a lot of people. And as a result of this secular job, uh, I was Mr. Evangelist with my secular job, and I was using that to reach people, to share the gospel with people, so they would come to church. Now, if I had been a full-time pastor at that moment, I would not have had those contacts. I wouldn't have had that, that ability to reach these people. Uh, when people started to come to our church in the early days, the majority of them came because I invited them. I met them at work as I was selling. I worked for a company called ElectroTerm, and I was selling these uh, little components. And as a result of being out in the Hampton Roads area every day, I made a lot of contacts with people. I constantly spoke with people, and I had doors open for me to share the gospel with people. And, and that's kind of how we built the church in the early days. But then the church got to a certain size where it was no longer feasible for, for me to continue on not being with the church more, needed more of my time, I needed more of my effort, and I needed more time to spend in working with the whole foundation of the church itself. So it changed. So when we think about marriage, our calling in marriage, leads me to the very first point. Marry in God's plan. Marry in God's will. Uh, just as you would pray before you take a job, even more you should be praying before you take a spouse. Second Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does, does righteousness and weakness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, we're applying this to marriage, but this is also true with going into business. Listen, if you're a Christian businessman and you yoke up with an unbeliever who's a businessman, you have a different value system. You know, if you're an unbeliever, I would imagine that your primary goal in business is to turn a profit. No matter what you have to do or how you do it, you want to turn a profit. If you're a believer, your primary agenda is to glorify God through that business. And yes, you do need to turn a profit or you're not going to stay in business, but that is not your primary motivation. Your primary motivation is to glorify God. So sometimes if you want to glorify God, you make decisions that are not wise business decisions, but you're glorifying God. And God says, listen, I'm going to honor your business even though you were generous in giving, that made no sense. Even though you were honest when that made no rational reason because you had to cut into your profits because you were so honest. So marry in God's plan. You know, birds of a feather flock together. How can two walk together unless they are agreed? So you must ask yourself, does the person I desire to marry or the person I desire to go into business with do they love Jesus? And in the case of a spouse, do they love Jesus more than me? Here's the second thing. As you're going to have a, a successful marriage or a successful business, marry not only following God's plan, but also following God's purpose. With marriage, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united with his wife, and they became one flesh. Now, Jesus repeats this, right? In Matthew 19, he says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Paul says the same thing in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, this is what we would call the leave and cleave principle. 
So if I'm planning on getting married, I'm going to follow God's plan. Number two, I'm going to follow God's purpose. Am I ready to make the emotional, financial, and physical separation from my mom and dad? If the answer is no, then you should wait in getting married. Because marriage is two becoming one. You're leaving your father and mother, and you're going to cleave to each other. As a couple, are we able to cleave without our mom and dad supporting us? Paul gives us very specific instructions about this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says to both husbands and wives, he gives instructions to both. He says, husbands, you are to love your wife. And how do I love her? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So we discovered that the husband is going to put his wife above himself by loving her like Christ loved the church. So self-sacrificing love creates this atmosphere in which a wife can more easily submit to her husband's leadership. When a husband is committed to demonstrating love for his wife, the wife is committed to graciously allowing her husband to lead, the marriage will work. Now, there's also a business application here. If you have two people that join together in business and they're both saying, me first, there's going to be a conflict. But if you have two people joining into the business and they say, others first, you will have a harmonious business relationship. You know, it's wise to pay very close attention to these verses that talk specifically about marriage. Going back to Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs, singing and making a joyful melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in fear of Christ. Now, obviously, this is talking about marriage, but I think there's a principle here with successful business. Do not get drunk with wine. Listen, how many businesses have been ruined because of addiction? You got a partner that can't overcome alcohol or drugs. A business that is encouraging one another, speaking to one another with encouraging words. A business that is all about being subject one to another. That mutual submission will make a business successful. That mutual submission will make a marriage successful. Number three, we've talked about marrying within God's plan, going to business according to God's plan, work according to God's plan. We talked about the purpose of marriage. We talked about the purpose of business. And then we talk about number three, the pattern. The pattern of your marriage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. In other words, don't let any anything enter into this marriage relationship that will defile this relationship. God will judge the adulterer. So in business, we'd say, let's keep our business pure. Uh, let's keep our business on sound principle. Let's not let anything come in here that's going to destroy this business. Now, as you think about this strong relationship, the marriage bed and marriage are being undefiled. That means it's pure. That means I'm not going to have a relationship with anybody else outside of my spouse. We marry within God's plans. We marry within God's purpose. We marry within God's pattern. And then when we get married, we do it with parental blessing. 
Now, these are things that you do prior to getting married. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says that, Children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first command with the promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So many couples rush off to get married. I'm talking about Christian families here. Mom and dad, believers, strong believers, love the Lord. And the parents are, are having some reservations. And now, this is real personal for me because uh, a few years ago, I had a young man come to me and ask for my blessings upon his prospect of wanting to marry my daughter. And when he first came to me, I, I was I was kind of set back, and I know that they had been getting serious, and uh, I didn't think they were quite uh, at that point where they were ready to get married. And so I, I said to this young man, I said, now, listen, uh, I can't give you my blessings right now, and I don't think that you're ready. And I gave him an, an outline of three things that I felt were lacking prior to my giving his blessings on, on the marriage of my daughter. And I said, now, listen, if, if you can work on these three things, I will give you my blessing. But right now, these three things are missing. And I won't tell you what those three things are, but I gave them to him, and, uh, and he was very respectful. I, I, I got to say that. He was very respectful. He said, well, you know, I already know that uh, your daughter's not going to marry me without your blessings. And so he held off. He held off for about two years. Came back to me after two years, and, and we'd been working on some things together. And lo and behold, uh, when he came back the second time, I gave him my blessings. Now, he could have gone off and uh, said, well, forget your blessing. I'm going to go marry your daughter anyway. Uh, you know, she's an adult. I'm an adult. Uh, we're not kids, right? And, uh, and, and he, he could have done that. But thankfully, uh, he, he chose not to go down that path. You see, there's something about parental blessings, right? Having that support of your mom and dad, especially if they are believers. You know, several years ago when Pete Rose uh, broke Ty Cobb's longstanding record for the most career hits, a reporter asked him what he thought about as he stood at that base with the whole stadium standing on their feet, cheering wildly. Rose said that he thought that his dad was probably looking down from heaven and was pleased with him. You know, of all the things Pete Rose could have thought about at that moment, as a grown man, he was still thinking about his father's approval. You, you know, God has given us those who are fathers and mothers and, and put them in a very unique and a powerful role within the lives of our children. We influence them greatly, either for good or for ill. Some children grow up and they vow that they will not be like their dads. They, they spend their whole lives reacting against their fathers, but even then, the father is exerting a strong influence over the child. Hopefully, as Christian fathers, we will bless our children with a rich legacy of the things that God has given to us, and we want to pass them on. So having parental blessing is so important on a marriage. I think having parental advice is also important when it comes to matters of business. Is it God's will for me to start this business? Is it God's will for me to take this job? Why don't you get your parents praying for you and asking for them to give you that insight if you're fortunate enough to have your parents still alive? You know, next month, it will be 20 years since my dad has passed away. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Somebody asked me, well, what do you miss most about your dad not being here? And I thought about it for a moment, and I, I, I got thinking about that. I said, I think the thing that I miss most is my dad's prayerful advice. Anytime I entered into a major decision 
in my life, I would never make that decision without asking my dad to pray about it, without getting his advice. I remember we were we were looking at the piece of property that we just bought uh, at that time, uh, just to my just prior to my dad's passing, and uh, I said, "Dad, would you pray about this?" And he did, and he says, and he prayed and he got back to me. He says, "I think you need to go ahead and and pursue that opportunity to buy that land." And and sure enough, we did. We were able to buy that land, and and uh, the probably one of the last pictures that I had sent my dad is a picture of my wife and I uh, in front of our church property with a sign that said future home of Hickory Ridge Community Church. Now, my dad never got to see uh, the building, but he did get to see the land and he got to see uh, where the future home of Hickory Ridge Community Church was going to be. Uh, that was such a blessing that uh, that he was able to see that. So the thing I miss most about not having my dad here is I don't have that prayerful support. I don't have that person I can pick up the phone. I remember I kind of got mad uh, when my dad died uh, because I said, man, this is a bad time for him to die. We're getting ready to go into this this whole building program, and I need his advice, and I need his support now more than ever. But you know, God is able to take care of us even when we lose somebody that is close to us. Well, when we think about marriage, those first four points that I've given you, all deal with what I would call a sweet start to a marriage. Well, how do we keep uh, having a, a smooth sailing once we are married? Well, as we look at these points, we must marry being prepared for conflict. Now, I don't know, that's probably not what you wanted to hear. Uh, you must enter into business, right? Being prepared for conflict. Because whenever you get two people together, I don't care how godly they are. I don't care how spirit-filled they are. There is going to be conflict. I like what Billy Graham said. He said, if a husband and wife never have any conflict, one of them is not necessary. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, when you think about marriage, marriage is a preparation for conflict. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 says, See, I find a law that is at work. Although I want to do good... Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So Paul says, this is friction that I'm, uh, the reason I have conflict with other people is because I have conflict with myself. He says, I want to do good, but evil is right there with me. So how do we deal with this issue of conflict? Well, there's a couple of things that have really helped me. My wife and I had a little conflict just the other day, and, uh, and I reminded myself of these two issues. Number one, I reminded myself that my spouse is not my enemy. She's not. Now, nobody loves me more than my wife. And whenever I forget that, there's going to be some conflict. So when I'm in the midst of a, of a disagreement, I remind myself that my spouse is not my enemy. Number two, I discovered there's a right way to handle conflict and a healthy way to handle conflict. And so I asked myself, am I handling this in a healthy way, in a godly way, in a biblical way, because the conflict is going to come. I mean, you cannot get around the conflict, but the question is, when it comes, how do I respond? I think God is much more interested in how we respond to conflict than the conflict itself, because our response to conflict is going to either cause that conflict to be resolved, or it's going to cause that conflict to be intensified. And I think men we should take the high road. When it comes to matters with conflict with our wives, we should take the high road. 
We should be the first to apologize. We should be the first to lovingly confront in times of conflict. Uh, you know, don't don't act like a two-year-old, guys. You know, don't pout. Put your big boy pants on and uh, and go talk to your wife when there's a conflict. And I know you got to pray for the right timing and all that. You better be prayed up. Uh, but I think that, man, we need to take the high road and we need to go ahead and take the initiative in getting things right. So Mary preparing for conflict and then Mary preparing to serve. When you get married, go in with this mindset. I am going to serve my spouse. First Peter 1.7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So going into this and realizing, as Rocky Balboa said about his marriage, and said about his wife, he said, she's got gaps, I got gaps, together we fill gaps. As you think about that, be prepared to serve your spouse. Well, I hope you've enjoyed these points about a healthy marriage and a healthy business. If I can help you in any way, please feel free to give me a call anytime, 757-421-7500 or 252-267-2365. You can send me a voicemail or you can send me a text message. If I can pray for you, those two numbers would be great numbers to call if you want us to put you on our prayer list and we pray for you every Thursday morning at 5 a.m. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you have a great weekend. Hope to see you at church on Sunday at 9 o'clock or 1030. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. We meet at 9 o'clock or 1030. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.